Welcome to the Jaegmakers podcast. Here I ask the question, how do makers relate to the tools and materials they use, and how does it shape their process? I'm your host, Michael James, and this podcast is part of my thesis research through Royal Roads University. For more information, please visit www.theyagmakers.com. In this episode, I visit with Kyle from Closed General Leather and watch him make a veg tent belt. Kyle is one of two full-time makers I interviewed, and he brings a different perspective to making as a small business owner. To see images of the belt or Kyle's process, please visit his page on theyagmakers.com or follow the project on social media, at The Egg Makers. Have a listen. Okay. Um, we're going to use a natural veg tan leather because it's one of my favorites as it takes on so much character over time and patina is so nice. Okay. So can you explain to me what veg tan is? Yeah, so veg tan is like, okay, so there's many different kinds of leather. Typically in the shop here, we're using uh, cowhide, right? Yeah. Um, but veg tan is a, it's a it's a, it's a process in which they take like different saps and things like this from trees, mm-hmm. um, lots of different barks, lots of different kinds of like um, different stuff from yeah. Lot, uh, most of it is coming from trees though, which so is kind it's of natural. interesting. Yeah. yeah. And so what they do is they take and they would put this into like big vats, um, mm-hmm. and they would mix in you know these different tannins and. Um, and there's typically no chemicals in this veg tan, which is also really nice. Yeah. Um, it's more of, yeah, natural sources to kind of call it tan this leather. Um, and then it's a series of steps, but this, to process something like this is going to take anywhere from like two to six months. So every tannery oh, wow. does it different. Do you, um, do you ever color it or dye it? Yeah, or? you can. You can. Yeah. And the nice thing about this veg tan is you can actually take and hand tool this. So this is the oh, leather okay. that you could get into like carving right. and tooling. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Do something kind of neat like that, right? Yep. It takes a stamp really well. It also takes dyes after the fact yeah. and then oils up really nice. Oh, perfect. Yeah, so natural veg tan leather is by far one of my favorites to work yeah. with, right? That's you know, cool. it's just like... And, and you mentioned just it aging. Is that one of the reasons you love it so much? Yeah, because it's continuously changing. Mm-hmm. It never stays the same. Like, you know, it does, it does, you know, it does stain. It does pick up water, oil, sunlight, dirt, things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like, okay, so now let's choose a nice hide for a belt there. Got a... I'm just going to decide, like, this one's not bad. It's not bad. Do you have a lot of stuff that That's a nice piece. you get little little bits and bits and, and you make you have a, a wide range of things that you make that you can use up so you don't have a lot of yeah, waste for the most part that's right so now over here i have my scrap bins over there okay so i kind of separate them between my chrome tan leathers my oil tan leathers my veg tan leathers and things like that and then i'll go through that let's say i'm making like anything from a wristband to like a like a you know like a key keeper right all the small stuff like that, little wallets, um, you know, I'll go through that call yeah. my scrap leather yeah. and use up That's as great. much as I can all the way down to like cord wraps. Right. Which are like two by one. Yeah. You know, so yeah. try to so use up as much little, as I can. Little waste and then what possible. I'll do is uh, there's there's been kids in the past who will come by who are just like, you know, starting out. They'll yeah. take, you know, take bins. I oh. I'll have some rubber made sometimes. That yeah. I'll break it down so far. And then if I don't get back at it, it'll, I'll let it sit for years or whatever. You know, it's kind of happened in yeah. the past. I'll have some rubber maids that are just sitting and... and the one time I think a kid just reached out on me on Instagram. The one time I put a thing out on a Kijiji. Anyway, and it, they just go fast, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess talk to me a little bit about that. How do you feel about helping new makers getting into the... I think it's really important. You know, yeah. being from the very beginning when I started this craft, it was all so new to me. Like, mm-hmm. it was... Just, uh, obviously, it started out as a hobby. And for me, it was like I was in need of a belt and a wallet. And I couldn't find one here in Edmonton mm-hmm. that, you know, I couldn't go to, there was no stores that kind of carried what I was after. 
And so I was on a little motorcycle trip with, with some guys and there was an older dude, his name was Zibby. He was mm-hmm. down south in, in, in Cam, Camrose. And uh, he showed up to this little bike meetup and uh, an older dude and he had leather everything, man. Like everything looked homemade, like custom yeah. made kind of thing. And everything from his tassel jacket to his, his um, chaps, to his saddlebags on his bike, to his seat, to everything. He opens up his saddlebags and he's passing around beef jerky to the guys and he was just a character, right? Yeah. He was just a cool guy. And so yeah. I started chatting with him a bit and you know, after seeing his stuff and he had a light he had a leather lighter cozy with tassels on it. The guy yeah. had like everything leather and I'm like, Man, that is cool. I said, I'm looking for a leather belt and a wallet, where can I get one? He says, Oh, I make all my own shit and blah blah and I said, yeah. Oh wow, that's that's cool. Is it be like, you know, like how'd you get into that? And he says, Oh, he's you know, it's easy. You go down to the leather shop and you pick yourself up a chunk of leather and some tools. And he says, there's even kits. Tandy sells kits. Go make yourself one. I said, oh, wow, that's kind of neat. I actually like making stuff too, you know. Yeah. Like I was welding at the time, building okay. tanks and stuff. Yeah. So working with my hands was yeah. came natural, if you will. And so so I um, I ventured off to Tandy and I got myself that kit. Yeah. That kit that is like, I think it starts out at like 300 bucks or something like right. that. And you, you get all these little pre-cut pieces oh, okay. and a few tools and yeah. some dye and some like you know, some needle and thread, you kind of get the stuff you need to like make your first few projects. Yeah. So that's what I did. And that's how it started for me. Oh, this wow. was back in like, would have been like, it's what, 2000, 2020 now. So this would have been like 10 years ago kind of thing is wow. when it kind of like yeah. started for me as a hobby. Yeah, you know? yeah. I started collecting different things for, for outfitting a space and a shop mm-hmm. and, and getting more leather and all this stuff. And and once Doug let us know there was no more, more work, I was excited. I thought, okay, this is my time. So. I had read, I didn't really take any time off, and that's when I contacted Devin and, and Kelly from the Mercer building there. Okay. And let them know that I was looking for space. I just yeah. needed an office. I wanted something like even a hundred square feet. Just give me totally. a corner underneath a set of stairs, like something, because I was working out of my little apartment and I was right. at my kitchen table, and I, it was making a mess. And my you know girlfriend would come home from work, and we couldn't have supper because here I am. Yeah. You know, you got all your stuff just, laid out. I knew I wanted a little space, and so the Mercer was my first opportunity. I think it's really important to to give other people the opportunity who are just kind of getting into it. Um, wanting to learn and um, you know I can't say can teach you how to do everything but what I can do is you know guide you in the right direction yeah. tell you where to go to maybe get some tools get you a piece of leather like things like that you know yeah you know take remove some of those barriers yeah yeah exactly right? you know, sharing the knowledge is huge like I've always been the type of person to ask a lot of questions um, mm-hmm. anywhere, in anywhere I am, whether it's in the motorcycle shop or at a store or whatever it is that I ask a lot of questions. And when people do the same in return for me, I always try to be as helpful. Totally. You know, sharing yeah. knowledge. Old school um, gentlemen and certain certain groups of people, if you will, years and years ago, didn't like to share a whole bunch of knowledge. It was yeah. more of um, what they knew was kind of how you know, they got there because they worked hard to get to know that and they weren't willing to really share it too yeah, much. For sure. Things are turning around in my vision anyways. I even now I do speak to older people now that are way more open to sharing mm-hmm. their knowledge and, and teaching what they know. Well, as think, opposed to even I think like fifteen, twenty years ago, I think it was a lot more like I think too that's just kind of a, in at least in my experience, that is the that is the essence, one of the essence, if not the essence of the maker community yeah. is not not you know just being able to share and help and push people forward like yeah, exactly. we, you know yeah. like let's yeah. get let's this isn't proprietary knowledge let's you know share this together because you're going to teach me something yeah exactly you yeah, know 100%. you may surpass surpass me my knowledge or yeah um i may learn something from you yeah exactly so why hold on to it put this on there. and typically you know like this this piece of leather it's a little bit like weaker at the ends and you can see that, right? Like it's not, yep. some of the hides are a little better quality than others. You know, I think I got these on sale at Tandy. 
Um, so they're still like, they're good leather, but it's, this isn't a belt that's going to last you 20 years. Right. You know what I mean? Like yep. it's, 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 it's a, like we said, it's, it's, it's around, this one's around that 10 ounce. So it's a good thickness. Um, and typically for a good belt, you do want to take from like shoulder back, shoulder down. And you know what I mean? And, what do you mean by that? Well, okay. So you can like, there's different parts of the hide, right? So on, on the cow, right? Yeah. So you can get a whole hide, you can get a half side, you can get like, you know, the front half, the back half. So a good section to take from is either when you start getting lower into the belly yeah. of the leather, it's going to become more stretchy. That, uh, that animal okay. stretched all of its life there. So, right. so that leather is kind of weak there and you can even see it. So this is where the whole natural, the fact that we're using natural materials just yeah. comes into play. Yeah, and yeah, that yeah, 100%. Knowledge. So yeah. Got, there are certain parts of a hide you want to cut from if you can for, for certain projects. For what you're depending Yeah, like on if I was going to cut a belt from down here, yeah. it's going to be really weak. So it is going to stretch out. And again, the belt will only stretch to the maximum. That you're, like Even like your belt there, it's, yeah. it's stretched, but it's, yeah. it's not going to continue to stretch if you don't continue to grow. Right. That belt will still last you forever. Yeah. And so like this belt's not going to break down. It's not no, going to no. come apart. But I just mean like if you want a belt that was literally gonna you're never gonna have to get another one i'd likely make like a 14 i'd use like a four or either a 14 ounce yeah or i'd use like a 10 ounce and like a five ounce and i would glue them together and uh, then i would stitch them right and then you're getting two different leathers tight exactly the, yeah. the fibers are resisting each other and then it's stitched and glued it's not yeah. gonna go nowhere yeah what was it that originally like obviously you talked about how you got into it but as you started, you know, as a maker, we may start one material mm-hmm. and are like, no, not into it. Yeah. What what made you continue down the path with leather? What was it so about? So I guess at the, when I did, you know, I was deciding like once my once the welding completely like was essentially as I knew it, it was done for a while. Yeah. I was dabbling between. Yeah, I loved the leather. I knew that I wanted to do it, but I was also good at welding yeah liked building things out of metal and also really liked working with wood so I, I i told myself that i was i was gonna start off with this leather but i was gonna build everything in my shop so i built all, every one of my shelves every one of my tables every yeah. one of my everything right and then and then i just thought whatever is gonna so if somebody comes in the shop and says oh my god i like that shelf you know can you build me one of those can you build me a coffee table can you you know i had this little shop in the mercer that had like stuff in it do you know what i mm-hmm. mean like leather was the main focus but like i also did other things a little bit like yeah. again like i said i tried to build everything that was in there and so the reason for me why leather kind of like took over all that was i guess the the true passion sort of really coming out and being able to like create so many different things you know i felt like i was limited with other stuff and the leather you could make everything from shoes to hats Uh, so i was just so intrigued by like i didn't just have to make a belt or a wallet while i then i started really getting into making bags yeah and bags to me were really cool because it was stuff that you could take it was it was a way to protect your goods for everyday use so whether it was your computer your your you know your laptop your paperwork your your gear for the gym, whatever it was, yeah. or a trip, you could you were protecting your daily goods. And so yeah. to me, I started getting really, I guess, interested in, in now learning how to pattern develop, things like that, making, making, making a drawing turn into a product. Yeah. And that's where it started because it was so challenging for me. I'm not a, I, ne- I never went to school for design and I never, um, I, you know, I'm not a pattern developer. Mm-hmm. So it was so challenging for me. So when I would finish a project, you know, when I would make a bag and it would turn out, I was so... I guess the the feeling of um, I guess excitement and like um, joy was just like so dominant that it made me want to keep carrying on with that. And yeah. I, I wasn't really getting that from the welding or the woodworking or whatever. You know what I mean? I was you know it was fun to do and I still do it as a hobby. 
but the leather work just kept taking off like that and people were interested in it yeah and it was something that there was also a, it was something at the time in edmonton there wasn't a whole bunch of there's still there's there's a probably a dozen leather crafters and canvas makers in the city for sure um but um, lots of it is still on a hobby level and i knew mm-hmm. that if i kept pushing it i'd be able to have something that was maybe like you know a little bit sought after or um yeah you know some, absolutely something your, that was unique you your know? bags are unbelievably gorgeous yeah, when I was a kid growing up back home in Saskatchewan on the farm, I would go to school in town in North Battleford. And after school, I would go to my grandma and grandpa's upholstery shop. Mm-hmm. So my grandma and grandpa and my mom all worked with sewing machines and oh. things like that. And so so there was some inspiration there as a kid, you know, seeing my grandma and grandpa working with different tools and working with their hands and yeah. things like that. They did more things like... Um, uh, furniture, you know, yeah. like couches and chairs. Yeah. My grandpa really got into um, uh, doing automotive and like um, he did a lot of uh, boat tarps and seats for skidoos, for motorcycles. for th- And then he also got into making, um, he did, um, he would make like rifle slings and rifle covers, oh, like okay. scabbards. Yeah. He would make um, fishing rod holsters, things like that. Yeah. You know? So he was creative um, with his hands as well. And, um, and so there was definitely some inspiration there. But yeah, it's like... Do you ever find like a piece of leather, you'll be working away at, you know, making something Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden, like the leather just won't, it won't agree? For sure. There's definitely different parts of the hide. Again, like we were saying before that just like don't work well in certain areas. Mm -hmm. Lots of the, one of the biggest things I found before was being that, you know, I really like to make bags. Well, you can't work with a leather too thin. Like a two, three ounce is like okay for some bags, but it becomes over time, it does stretch out and then that can become an issue, right? So what I needed to do was be able to work with heavier leathers, but then you start getting into issues with your machines and things like that, you know? Um, So what I ended up having to do was buy a few more tools that were set up to work with heavier leathers uh, anyway so but you really are, have a good progression of how you've you've gone from one to the next yeah the you next. always start with i guess what you can i guess i'll say what you can afford right and then yep. you have to just keep re- deciding what you want to make make something like if you're really trying to turn it into a business you've got to look at the tools that are going to make you have a bit you know what i mean yeah. so it's just been like constantly always thinking about those things you know yeah. trying to get myself to the next step and yeah there's there's a, there's definitely a part of that where like some guys just swear by like no big tools you know super small tools all very like intricate you know what i mean hand cut hand beveled hand punched hand stitched you know what i mean like that um you know and i guess those are the guys that can either they have a demographic of people that are supporting them for that because you know like if i'm going to take and make a bag every single step you know i'm still doing every single step by hand but i have tools now to help speed up my process which are actually more accurate to make that product look more professional yeah Yeah, it's definitely been a fun journey for sure. You know, lots of ups and downs, gone through lots of challenges for sure. What's been the re- most re- rewarding so far? I guess it's like uh, on a large project scale, the most rewarding was finishing a big job that I had to make like 675 bags for a company on a really short deadline in under two months. We oh, made wow. 675 canvas bags for a champion pet foods actually 
you know, as a, as a woodworker, I've got bucket list projects that I want to right, do. Right, 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 yeah. Do you have bucket list projects that yeah, you want to do as a sure. leather worker? Yeah, this year's my year. I'm going to make a leather jacket. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's always been something I've always... I've made vests and things like that, mm-hmm. but I've never made a leather jacket. And uh, every time I go to Portland, I'm inspired because there's, there's a company out there called Langlitz Leathers. Mm-hmm. They've been making jackets for since like the 50s. Mm-hmm. And... Um, They've been uh, making jackets since like the 50s. And every time I go out there, I go into their leather store, their shop where they make them. And I'm just like, wow, you know. And uh, and then there's a guy that I follow out there. His name is Mike, a company called Ship John. Uh-huh. And he makes canvas goods. And he's he collaborated with Langlands and made a leather jacket. And it's a typical standard biker style coat with like the side zip okay. and the flap and the yeah. buckle. And, you know, um, really beautiful coat. So I have a jacket like that I, that I never made, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I really want to make one. So I reached out to Kathleen, who's a... She's got a space in the Mercer Warehouse called Two Direct Designs. Okay. And she hand makes, uh, she's like, she makes women's clothing and oh, stuff okay. like that. She's yeah, like yeah. a fashion lady. She's a little yeah. bit older. She's been making stuff for a really long time. And um, so I reached out to Kathleen and asked if she'd be interested in, in, in collaborating and like kind of like working with me on... Like helping you design it and yeah, stuff like, like that. Oh, I, I've okay. got my drawings. Yeah. And then she'll take and help me take my drawings and turn it into a pattern and then be by my side while I make it. Oh, and she said, yeah, for sure. So oh, perfect. For sure. But Edmonton has been so good in a sense that there's so many different people here that are willing to support local. Yes. And like, you know, like you go to all these markets, they're so busy there because people really, truly care about where their money is going. And it's just so nice to be part of a city like Edmonton where people are giving back. You know, me as a maker, I'm giving what I can to you know, help protect your daily goods with leather, you know, and people are giving back by supporting and continuing to come back. Yeah. And it's been really rewarding. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I could have did it anywhere else. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, you don't know until you try it, but Edmonton's my home now. And um, yeah, I can't wait to keep going here because it's, it's good. There so many people talk right now so badly about the economy and the challenges of things moving forward. Mm-hmm. And I, I've got some mentors, if you will, that I chat with that are very successful and they, they're all like a little bit worried. Some of them are pretty skeptical. Um, but what I find now more than anything is my business is growing every year and I'm, I look at it like the opposite. I look at it like it's only gonna create more diversity and create other jobs where people are gonna be forced to do other things. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, I guess the, I, I'm not in this for the money though either personally. So some guys are in it to make a million bucks at the end of the year. I'm in it to just keep food on the table and, and keep my lights on and do my thing and meet new people every day and yeah. continue to get goods out there, right? Yeah. Um, of course, you need money to keep growing your business, but that will come in time. Um, but it, it is interesting, you know, like we are in a challenging time for sure. But I just, sh- I wake up every day, I come to work, I keep making stuff and people keep coming through the door. Thank you for listening to the Yegmakers podcast. If you'd like to know more about Kyle, his work, or this project, please visit theyegmakers.com or follow me on social media at the Yegmakers. As well, I want to thank you for listening to season one of this podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening as much as I've enjoyed exploring the world of Edmonton Makers. If you like the series, please let your friends know and share it online. If there's enough interest, I'll look to do a second season. Again, Thanks for listening.